Amen. Hallelujah. We greet each and every one of you who are listening to us. I pray that this message will be a blessing to you. And I pray that God will continue to do some wonderful things in your life. Again, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. To Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We have a good amount of portion of scriptures to read. Genesis chapter 22. We'll read verse 1 through 13. Then we'll go to Hebrews 11, 7 through 19. If you will stand for the reading of the word. Amen. Appreciate that. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 22. Amen. Verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. It says God tempt Abraham. That word don't mean he's tempting you, but it means he's testing you. Somebody say test. So God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee in the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Somebody say early in the morning. You know what that made me think of? Who told you he had to wake up early in the morning? Did we read that God said wake up early in the morning? So it means that he felt like God told him to do something and he wanted to be good at it. So what did he do? <laughs> yeah, that's just what just came to my mind. Abraham woke up early in the morning. I did not hear God say, Abraham, I want you to get up early in the morning. But when God gives you an appointment, you try to do everything you can to be there in time, on time, with enough time. And so he said, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and cleave or clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad, his son, will go yonder and do what? Worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it up on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in the hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but there is, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So little Isaac said, Daddy, I know how you've done sacrifices over the years. And whenever you take an animal to sacrifice that animal, listen, you always um, have the animal to, to sacrifice and you have the wood and everything and so you always take an animal when you're doing sacrifice and we're going to this place of sacrifice and I don't see any animal what's going on here dad and so that's what he's asking him and Abraham said my son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am, just like when the Lord called him the first time. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou 
has not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and locked, and behold, and, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a sickle by his horn. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Oof, a whole lot of stuff going on there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Today, I want to minister to you, talk to you on this topic. Release your faith. Release your faith. Release your faith. Release, hallelujah, your faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, remove every doubt that we're experiencing even now. Ah. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you will unburden your people from the burden that they have placed upon themselves. God, I pray that you will clear their minds of everything that have cluttered their minds. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ this morning that faith will be released in the house and that the power of God will be manifested and that God you will do a new thing and a miraculous thing among us. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, we will experience your power today, that we will experience a, a work of the Holy Ghost. I pray that God, we will all release our faith in this place, calling those things that are not as though they were, and walking by faith and not by sight, not by our emotions, but by the power of God, by the promises of God and by the word of God. I pray in this place today, Lord God, that the glory of the Lord will come down in this place and destroy every yoke of bondage and set every captive free and deliver them, Lord God, that they will be at liberty. I pray today in the name of Jesus that you have your way today and whosoever call upon the name of the Lord today will be saved, will be delivered. We'll be set free. We'll be restored. I ask you in the name of Jesus that you hear our petition and our request and our cry in the name of Jesus. Will somebody give the Lord some praise? Will somebody open up their mouth and glorify and magnify the name of our God? His name is Jesus. Come on, release your faith. Release your faith. Release your faith. Don't, don't, don't hold on to your faith. Release it. Release it in the name of Jesus. Begin to understand that God wants you to release your faith in this place today. Glory, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Faith is something we can obtain and possess. I'm not sure if everybody in here or people all over our world today that's attending church services truly understand what faith is. And I know you've heard me talk about faith before, but I feel like God has brought me from another direction this morning to get you to understand what faith is all about and that, that we need to have faith. We, we must possess faith and we must obtain it. And I'm sure if I ask everybody in this house today, they'll say, yeah, I have faith. But do you really have faith? But I promise you today that when we leave here today, there will be no doubt that you have faith. And all I want you to do is to obtain faith today and release it. Isn't it so like God that 
he's always asking us to just to to release something. He's all he's always he's giving us stuff, and what usually happens to us is when God gives us something, we want to hold on to it, and God is saying, "You don't have to hold on to it because what I give to you, no man can take. What I give to you, I can protect it. You don't have to worry about clenching and holding on to something because God is the one that gave it to you, and no man can take it if God gave it to you." And so, you can obtain and possess faith. Faith is not a wish or something mystical that cannot be obtained and possessed. It is not a strong belief, contrary to what may you may have heard over the past and over the years. People says faith is just to believe real strong. How can one possess faith? How can one possess faith? And that's something that we all need to make sure we have because the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6 that it's impossible to please God if we don't have faith. That's, that, 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 that should get your attention when, when the Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I'm here to challenge you right now to say, do you really have faith? Because if you don't have it, you can't please God. If you can't please God, you can't make it. So do you really have faith? If faith is not just believing real hard and believing real strong, do you really have faith? Believe me, you're going to receive faith if you don't have it before you leave here. The Bible says, in order to have faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We're all familiar with that. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got faith. When it is said that faith cometh by hearing, and, and hearing by the word of God, it means this. All who hear don't always receive it. Many of us have heard the word of God, but it don't mean we received the word of God. Faith coming by hearing, hearing the word of God. Well, how can God says hear and we have faith? How can some people hear but don't have faith? I'll tell you, I'll say this. It is not meant that all who hear actually receive faith, but that faith does not exist unless there is a message or a report being proclaimed. You can't have faith if you don't hear. But hearing don't mean you have faith. Because there must be a message or a report proclaimed. And that message or report is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, we can go to church and the preacher can preach and the place be on fire. But if we have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we lack faith. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. We can preach about how good God is and still not have faith. We can preach about that God will bless you and still not have faith. And so we have a lot of people in church that says, I got faith, but all they heard about God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, and God will bless you, and God will keep you, and God will deliver you, and God will strengthen you. That's all true, but that don't give you faith. Until you hear the gospel message preach, you do not have faith and you cannot obtain faith. So when the Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God, it's saying faith coming by the gospel being preached to you. And when you hear the gospel and understand the gospel, that's when you obtain faith. No other way will you have faith. It's through the preaching of the gospel that we can obtain faith. It's when we hear the gospel message that we can obtain faith. No gospel being preached, no faith. 
As a matter of fact, I've seen how our churches have become faithless or just not being faithless at all, not having faith at all, because we're not hearing the gospel message preached enough. So people are coming to church, and they're hearing different things preached, and they're shouting and dancing, but the gospel is not being preached, which means the people are not receiving faith. It's the only way to obtain faith. So now you can start to think, do I have faith? Because if faith cometh by hearing the gospel preach, how often do I hear the gospel preach? The Bible says, Lord, increase my faith. Why would they say that, increase my faith? They need to hear more of the gospel being preached. They need to know more about the gospel message. And the more you understand the gospel message, the more you possess and have faith. Hmm. The gospel message is this. God has become our salvation. You might have missed that on Bible study Thursday because we talked about this a little bit, but you can catch up this morning. God has become our salvation. And he did it by revealing himself to us by becoming the man, Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Bible says there's no other savior. Jesus said, God said, there's no other savior but me. We broke down how in the Old Testament, we heard the word, Elo, hear the word Elohim, and the word Elohim means the self-existing one, meaning God was self-existent. He just existed on his own. He is the only deity that's called God. Everything else was idols. And so the self-existent God, Elohim, he is the Lord who has become Jehovah. And when you translate the word Jehovah from the Greek, it means Yahshua. And when you look at Yahshua, when it translates into English, it means Jesus. So almighty God who was invisible in the Old Testament that said he was the only savior, he made himself visible and now we understand that Jesus is the invisible God that became visible to be salvation to us. That's the gospel message. That's the gospel message that God became human to die for us. Now, remember I said increase my faith? Lord, increase my faith? I just gave you the overall. God became man to save us. That's the overall I just gave you. But there's a lot of in between. And the more you study the details of Almighty God becoming a man, the more you begin to understand the gospel, which begins to increase your faith. Remember, I, I say to you, and I say it all the time, that God told me that the essentiality of this walk, Christianity, is rest on his people understanding and knowing who he is. That's the essentiality of the whole walk, the Christianity of God, that we must know who he is. And when you know who he is, that's when you have obtained faith. Oh, come on, somebody help me this morning. When you know who Jesus is, you have obtained faith. And if you don't know who he is, then you lack faith. And that's what I'm talking remember, remember God said to the disciples when they was all on the boat and the storm started and they panicked and ran down to the bottom and said, Jesus, you don't care we perish? And what did he say? Oh, you have little faith? You know what he was saying? Don't you know who I am? Oh. He told them they had a little bit of faith because they should have really known him, but they barely knew him, even though they walked with him and talked with him and ate with him and lived with him. They barely knew him. And so he said, oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. And so the more you know God, the more faith you have. The less you know God, the less faith you have. How are we going to know 
him except we hear the preaching of the gospel message. And that's when we come to know God. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. Brother Darrell, as I wrote that, I thought about you. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, when you go to Brother Darrell's house, well, let me stop that. Brother, Brother Darrell, that ain't your house. That's Cheryl's house. And so when you, go to, um, the, the, when you go to the Parker's house and you walk in, right when you hit the front door, you look up the steps, there's a scripture on the wall that says, neither is there salvation in any other for there is no other name other under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When you can put that in your house, I can't, I gotta tell you a real man of God putting something like that in your house because you understand you can only be saved. You can only have eternal life if you know who Jesus is. Can't happen without Jesus. And so it is the preaching of the gospel message that brings us faith. When we begin to absorb, when we begin to receive and understand that preaching, that gospel message. Yes, we talk about for God so loved the world and he gave his only begotten son. Me and you now should know for God so loved the world that he came in the form of man as a son and died for his people. That's how we're supposed to know it. And so we're supposed to know the one true and living God. I talked about on Thursday that my God, if there was three gods, then God couldn't have been that great. Just think about it. If there's a Father God, Son God, Holy Spirit God, if they all operated, then what's so complicated about it? He just, he, he, he's not that complicated. It, it, it's, it's, it's no big deal. But it's a big deal for what we know now. That this one God has been doing this stuff by himself from day number one for all of us. It's just one God that's been operating. It's no two and three gods. He's not getting help from nobody. He is the one operating and leading and doing this thing. There's nobody else. There's no help. There's no sun God. There's no Holy Ghost God. There's just God. He is conducting this thing all by himself. And when you understand that, that makes you realize how great he is. Oh, that makes you understand that there is none like him. We cannot compare anything to him. That's why he says, if you know any other God, I know not any, for there's none like him. Because none has done what he has done. None can do what he has done. And so there is only one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father of us all, that's in us all and over us all. His name is Jesus. And when that message is preaching to our heart. That's when we obtain faith. That's when we have the knowledge of who he is. That's faith. If you didn't have faith before you came in today, you just got faith. Now, you might not know it personally, but I've communicated to you. You now know who the one God, that, that, that his name is Jesus. You know who he is. You got any question? Just shout it out if you got one about Jesus this morning. Well, why this and why that? Just shout it out to me. If he was God, why did he pray? He's doing. He's doing what people are supposed to do. He did not do anything illegal while he was here. You want him to come and act like, oh, I'm God, I'm superior to y'all. The Bible says he became like us. And so if he became like us, then he's going to be like us. He made himself of no reputation and became a son. What is he supposed to do? A son obey their parents. A son do what mama and daddy says. A son must pray. A son must obey the word of God. And that's that's why he prayed. Why did he pray? You want that's what's wonderful about my God. He is so good. He didn't he didn't get a he didn't circumvent the system. He didn't create a new law just so he can come into this world. He didn't do something uh, that make himself different and say, "Oh well, I'm God, so let don't worry about that." When we do, oh God, help me. We can't do that as parents. He sent me over this way now. We, we can't do that as parents. 
We can't say because I'm the parent, don't worry about it. You better teach what this word say. What we do, what we say, how we behave, need to match up with the word. My kids going to ask me why? Because I'm trying my best to obey God. I don't have no deep explanation for them. Dad, why we got to? Because I'm trying to live for the Lord. I can't be saying, well, you don't worry about it. I'm dead and I'm growing. This is what I do. Jesus never did that. Jesus never said, because I'm God, this is what I'm doing. But y'all, y'all got to do something else. Interesting. Interesting. That's how great our God is. When he became like us, he didn't become something different from us. He became just like us in every facet, in every way. He became just like us. And so he prayed. And when he got done praying, he answered a prayer because he was God. I love him. He is incredible. He is so incredible. I wish people would come to know this God that I'm living for, this God that I serve, this God that I pray to, this God that I seek, this God that I read his word, this God that keeps me every day, this God that gave me my faculty, this God that teaches me, this God that protects me, this God that loved me, this God that died for me, this God that's just amazing and wonderful, this God that's everlasting, he's eternal, and he's all-powerful, I want people to know about him. I want people to understand him. I want people to understand how much he loved them. I want people to know he has prepared a place for them. And he's calling for all to be like him. Because I've preached to you about faith this morning. You have faith because you came to the knowledge of who Jesus is. You, you understand who he is. And that is faith. It's not believing real hard. It's not, oh, you know, I'm just going to claim it. Name it and claim it. It's not that. It's not that. You so many people been naming and claiming stuff for so long, they haven't claimed it yet. And they keep saying, well, it ain't in God's time. Yeah, that's true for some people, but for a lot of people, that's not true. Because you're naming and claiming something that God didn't intend for you, and so you won't get it. Name it and claim it. Hallelujah. Romans 10 and 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's move on a little bit with that. Look at 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not changed the word belief and put no? Let me reread it for you. How then shall they call on him whom they have not known? Not believe, because you can't believe something. You can believe anything you want, but you can't know something without knowing it. And so how can they call on him whom they have not known? So people can't call on the Lord if they don't know him. And how shall they believe? Change that word believe again. How shall they know in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without the preacher? So that's where the job of the preacher is supposed to be. 
he's supposed to preach the gospel to God's people. And when he preaches the gospel to God's people, then God's people obtain faith. That's why God is calling for preachers because he want to send them out. He's not sending them out to, to go steal people money. He's not sending them out to go do crooked stuff. He's not sending them out just to please themselves, but he's sending them out to preach the gospel. If you go into a church and you can't hear what I'm saying today in, in about two or three services, you need to get out of there. Any church you go into and you're not hearing the gospel being preached regularly, that ain't the place. I'm not calling people wrong. I'm just telling you, you will not develop faith, which means you're living for God and you're still wondering, I wonder if God, no, 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 stop wondering if God, you got to know what God will do. You got to know what God is all about. And the only way you know is when you have faith. And what is faith? You know who God is, what he's all about, what his intentions are. Hallelujah. And so we're going to hear the gospel message when the preacher preaches. How shall they preach except they be sent? <laughs> How shall they preach? God can't send a preacher that's not preaching the gospel. If that preacher ain't preaching the gospel, he sent himself. <laughs> if that preacher's preaching something else other than the gospel... He sent himself. I want to sit under a preacher that God sent. Not a preacher that's sending himself. And so it's vital that we understand that in order to obtain faith, the gospel must be preached to us. And when the gospel is preached to us, there is where God is revealed to us. And when you know who God is because he has revealed himself to you, now you have obtained faith. How can we know we possess faith? How can we know we possess faith? You know how we know how we possess faith? How we fare when we're tested by God. God tested Abraham and him and God was tight like that. And God tested him. God didn't test Abraham because he's trying to stir something up or give Abraham a hard time. He wanted Abraham to know where he was. Not where God was, but where Abraham himself is. So God is constantly testing us because we need to know where we are in God. Do we possess faith or we don't? Why did we get tested when we was in school? Thank you very much, teacher. So we can know if we know what we know. If you say you know it, then let me test you and your test will tell if you know it. We want to live for God and get no tests. Then God's going to have a whole bunch of people that act like they knew but they didn't know. God ain't no phony. God don't want no children that's not prepared. God don't want children that can't fight their battles and be able to handle themselves. He don't want no dummy for children. So we got to test us. We blame some things on the enemy and God is saying, my children, can you stop? He don't have that much power over you. I got this. You got power over him. And if there's one that you come against that I know you can't handle because of where you are spiritually, I'll step in. So you don't have to worry about him. I need you to worry about where you are. So he give us some tests. Adam, where art thou? The Bible says God is omnipresent. Why is he asking where is Adam? He know where Adam is. Just like he know where you are. You need to know where you are. And so he gives you some tests along the way. So as you go on this journey, this journey that we're on, to one day make heaven our home, as we are on this journey, we're going to encounter some tests that God has set for us. Oh, yes. And so, just like he tests Abraham, he will test us. It's by passing these tests on our journey is, is how we will know if we possess faith. Thinking we have faith 
is not the same as knowing we have faith. You need to know you have faith. You need to know you have faith. And that's why I've communicated and continue to communicate over and over to you who Jesus is. That's the gospel I'm preaching to you so you will know. Because once you can settle and understand who he is, then you can say for yourself, is there anything too hard for God, Eric? That's why Ezekiel said, is there anything too hard for God? You know why? Because he knew who he was. And then God messed with him talking about, can these dry bones live? Ezekiel said, you know God, you God, and you all powerful. You know everything. When we get that revelation because we understand how great he is, that's what we're going to say. You know everything. If he knows everything, what am I worrying about? If I'm worried when God knows everything, it's only because I might not be in right relationship with him. Yes. You ever, you ever experienced that? Because I have. Stuff happened. I said, ooh, what's going on with me, Lord? <laughs> Lord, help me out here. And so you start getting a little concerned because you know really you might not have been all the way on the right track. It's the only time you worry. But when you're in right relationship, bring it on. We like to say all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Well, when it comes on, what are you worrying about? Don't you know who he is? Huh? Don't you know who he is? All things work together. Don't matter. So I'm okay. My man Job lived that scripture. All things work together. They came telling Job, your whole family died, all your cattle and stuff died, your house, where you put your kids, all that stuff is destroyed. Everything was just a mess. And Job just kept on rolling. Kept on rolling. Even though Job was in a place where he, he did kind of, you know, he knew so much that he got a little arrogant about knowing so much. <laughs> Job did. You go back and look. Abraham was willing to give up his son. When God commanded him to do so, God did not let Abraham take Isaac's life because God had given the command in order to test Abraham's faith. There are some things that God will test you with that if you know God, you got to know it's not for evil. Sometimes your flesh or your adversary will make you think the test of God is, 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 is to your demise. And so you start doing some stuff on your own because I'm not going to let this destroy me. But do you know God? Do you think God want evil for his people? If God don't want evil for you, then when the test comes, instead of you allowing it to make you think negatively, you got to be like Abraham. I know this is a test, and God loves me, and God cares for me, and God gave his life for me. And so this test that's coming, God certainly will make it be for my very own good. And so while your adversary and your flesh and everybody else around you trying to make it seem like it's for your own detriment, you need to say, I know God. You see, you see why faith is about knowing who God is? Because no matter what happens, you can say, I know him. I know what he's about. I know what he's up to. And because I know that, everything that happens to me, I'm going to say, I'm going to come out of this, and it's going to be for my very good. Can we get there to Can we really get there today, somebody? Can we allow ourselves to understand because I know God and his intention for me is always the best. Then whatever I go through, whatever test it is, God is going to see me through. God is going to bless me. God is going to let me come out of it better than when I went in. I'm almost done because I'm going somewhere. Release your faith. If you are afraid to trust God with your most prized possession, your dreams, or whoever your person is, pay attention to Abraham as an example. Oh, God, help me today. Oh. What will you 
withhold from God. Can I tell you today, it's more than what I'm saying when I say release your faith. Because what I'm trying to tell you is some of the things that we have not received from God as yet is because we're holding on to what we need to release. And God God, God is trying to get us to obtain some things. And, and because we won't release some things to God, we're stopping the blessings of God in our life. We're stopping God's will from being done because we're holding on to the stuff. Because God is saying, what is more important to you than me? And so whatever we decide to hold on to, God is saying that very thing that you're holding on to uh, until you let it go. Uh, You can't receive the blessings uh, until you let it go. Uh, You can't receive what I have in store for you. Truth be told, Abraham loved his wife Sarai, but Isaac was more valuable to him. Remember back then, You can have more than one wife. God didn't allow it. They just did it. God didn't say you can have two and three and four wives. They just did that. So the mindset was, I can have me more than one wife, and if that one die, I get me another one. So the wife wasn't more valuable than that son. That son carried the legacy. And so when God gave him that son, that was the most important thing to him. Come on. God tell him, sacrifice your son. What is the most important thing to you? Are you holding that important thing with tight fists or are you holding on to it like this? Are you holding on to it real tight? Ain't nobody prying this away from me. I'm holding on to this. Because if we're going to hold on to it like this, I promise you, the miracles and the power that you will experience in God. You will not tap into it if you keep holding on like this. God has called us today to a place to release some stuff. He wants us to release things because when we begin to release them, then the blessings of God will flow into our life. And until we release stuff, we got to start thinking our heart and our mind. What is it that I'm holding on to so tight? Is it my sin? Is it some Is it my children? Is it my home? Is it my job? Oh, what is it that I'm holding on to so tight? Is it church? Because church is not more important than your relationship with God. What is it that I'm holding on so tight to? Is it who I am? I'm trying to hold on to my self-image and what I proclaim to be. What is it that I'm holding on to so tight? Is it my money? Is it my children? Is it my home? Is it my car. What is it that I'm holding on to that God is saying until you let it go, until you release it to me, you can't be blessed. You can't receive the promise of God. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living underneath the privileges of God. I'm tired of not claiming the promises of God. I'm tired of not having the things that God said I'm supposed to have. And I'm no longer passing it off and saying, oh, it's coming. Oh, no, I need to claim it. I need to know it's not coming. But I can have it right now, right now, right now. I just got to release some stuff. I just got to let go some stuff. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, have your way. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's time to release it. Oh, God. Oh, God, help us today. God has called me here to tell you it's time to release some stuff. When God called Abraham... He said in Genesis chapter 12, he says, I'm going to bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And then he says, in you will all the world be blessed. 
God was saying to him, through your seed, I'm going to establish the generations of the world. And so they will not even be able to be numbered as the sand of the seashore. That's how much I'm going to use you. But guess what? That can't happen until you get the very first child. God can't do what he said he had to do until the children came. So he said, I'm giving you, you're going to have... Nations, nations, nations coming from you. How is that possible, Lord? Well, we got to start with one child. Mm -hmm. And so, God gave him Isaac. That's what they started with. So now think about this. God, you said all the nations was going to be blessed through me. And the one son you gave me, you going to take him? I'm getting old. If you take that one, am I going to have any more? His prized possession. You see how much a prized possession it was? That's, what kept, that's what's going to keep my legacy. That's what's going to help me to establish what God said I will establish. And so he could have done like most of us do and try to help God. No, God, that can't be you because you said this is what was going to be used to establish nations. And so that voice that's telling me, take Isaac, my only son, and sacrifice him, that's the devil. That can't be God. Because God already made me a promise that he was going to use me to be a nation, nations, and nations. He already established that that's how he was going to use me. So there's no voice that's going to be able to come to me and tell me I got to give up that son when God already promised me. See how easy it is to get off the track when you don't know God? Because you're going to swear down. That can never be God telling me to sacrifice my only son after he made the promise. But he knew God. And that's why I'm trying to tell you today, you got to know God. N not speculate. Not, let, not, not play guesswork. you got to know God. you got to know his tendencies. you you got to know his character. you got to know how he operates. Because when you understand those things, you will be able to walk in faith. <laughs> you want to know the scripture? Walk by faith and not by sight. you got to walk by your knowledge that you have of God and not what you see and not what you feel and not what you think. You only can walk by the knowledge that you have of God. And all you can say is, God, I may not understand this, but I'm going to walk according to the knowledge, which is what you have told me and what you are all about. That's what Abraham did. He walked by faith. That wasn't easy to do. Take thy son, thy one and only son, and come and sacrifice him. Now, here's what I've been trying to communicate to you. If Abraham would have disobeyed God, he would have stopped God's plan for him being the father of many nations. If Abraham would have swore down, that can't be God. I'm not taking my son Isaac. It would have meant he would have not operated according to the knowledge and the promise of God, which would have stopped what God was going to do. Which would have meant God always have an alternative plan. And so God would have chosen a different plan in order to continue that plan of populating the world. So Abraham was at a crossroads to decide, am I going to obey according to what I know about my God? Or will I hold on to my most prized possession? People, I want you to get it today uh, that many of us in this place today, we got prized possession. I don't know what they are. Only you know what your most prized possession possession is. It might just be your image that you want people to think of you. It might just be oh, I got a good family. It might just be oh, the different things that we can come up with. But Nothing, nothing should be so valuable to us that we're not willing to give up for God.
God, the Bible says, he that will lose his life for my sake will gain life. And God continue to be that way. Whatever you have and is willing to give it up for Jesus, that's how your blessing will come. It's not what you hold on to. It's what you release to God. I love. I'm so grateful that I've understood that. And what I've understood over the years as I learn a little bit. The more I give myself to God, the more blessed I am. Oh, God. Oh, somebody get that one. The more I give myself to God. I didn't say the more I work. I didn't say the more I serve in church. I didn't say the more I do this and the more I do that. I didn't say the more I give my talents and ability. I said the more I give myself to God, the more I give myself to Jesus Christ, the more blessed I am. Because you know why? He's saying I can trust you. If you're willing to give up everything from me, I can invest in you. I will give you whatever you need. I will bless you however you need blessed because you're not holding anything back. You won't make anything more important than me. The more I give of myself to God, the more blessed I am. It can't be done no other way. And so we struggle all the days of our life because we're trying to keep this balance. A little bit for God, a little bit for me. It'll never Make you more than where you are. God is not into negotiation. God is not into let me balance this and little for me, little for God. He have the right to ask you. And he's asking. He's not demanding. He's asking. He's, as, he's got the right to ask you. Are you willing to give all of you to me? He has the right to do that. Because he gave all of him to you. You may not be handling him the way you need to. That's a you problem. It's not a God problem. But God has given all of himself to you. You think the Holy Ghost that's in you is just partial? God has given all of himself to you. Are you willing to give all? Or you just want to... And so... He will continue to bless you. His promises will be released. You will begin to experience the greatest things of God as you begin to give, release everything to him. And so today, God entitled this message, Release Your Faith. Because what he's really up to is he wants you to release.